episode 104 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews with interesting people. I am tickled pink to have Leanne Morgan, comedian, wife, and mama, joining me via Skype today. Hi, Leanne. Hello, you beauty. Hello. I, I am so excited. I just told you a, a quick disclaimer. I was I was made in Georgia, and I'm from South Carolina, so my accent is definitely going to come out in this podcast interview. Oh, good. I hope so. I, hope so. <laughs> I heard so. I think you're right. Um, you're in Knoxville, right? Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes. Where are you from originally? Knoxville. Um, Middle Tennessee, uh, a farming community of 500 people that grows dark fire tobacco on the Kentucky-Tennessee border. Well. What was that like I, growing up? Uh, sorry, what was that? I cut you off. I, I, my neck. Oh. Or does this make me look like a Mennonite? Which I love the Mennonites. Don't get me wrong, but okay. I want to be pretty for you. You look beautiful in that. I said, show some skin, right? Let it breathe. Just let it breathe. Yeah, well, this is crepey right now. But <laughs> I want people to see that I've got hair. I want them to see that. I do have hair. You do. I think you I think you look beautiful. What was it like growing up in Middle Tennessee? Middle Tennessee near Nashville. So right at the, um, I'm about 35 miles from Nashville on the Kentucky-Tennessee border near Clarksville, Tennessee, that had uh, Fort Campbell, the, um, a big army base there. But um I didn't get to go over there much. I stayed in the farming country. But yeah, just rural farming outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. What was that like? Um, sweet. Um, I had wonderful teachers and they all went to church with me and I grew up for the same people from kindergarten till we graduated. I graduated forty two people. We didn't know what marijuana was, but we couldn't write a paper either. And, uh, but it was sweet. It was, uh, oh, I got a beagle. I got a beagle. Oh, I'm so sorry, Trish. Gigi, honey. There's a cat. them outside the window. It's fine. Hey, hey, baby. Oh, Trish. Hey, you know what? If you need to take care of the puppy dog, go for it. Okay, I'm going to go tell her real, I'm going to shut the window so she can't see the cat. <laughs> Okay. It happens. This is real life, you know? Yeah. yeah, let me turn on my light. It looks like I'm in a dungeon. <laughs> okay, so my um the town that I'm from has a legend and it's part of Tennessee history and it's been several movies, Hollywood movies and books written about it. And it is called the Bell Witch, B-E-L-L. Which and it um, the last movie was uh, Sissy Spacek and Donald Sutherland, and so I mean it's had big movies written about it. So it's the the story of a witch that uh, killed a, people in a family in Middle Tennessee, and so people come from all over the world to see if they can find the Bell Witch in my little town. Wow, that's freaking. Yeah, raised in that was frightening. So. I constantly ate Tums with my grandmother because I was worried there was a witch that was going to come and get me. So I need to know, did, do you come from a big family? Uh, it's just my sister and me, and but lots of um, extended family, mm -hmm. a lot of people 
still around there. Grandparents, I was raised with my grandparents. You know, they were right down the road. They took me to school. And all my cousins, you know, a lot of cousins. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got lots of cousins. Do you have a funny family? Is your family funny? Yes. My um, my mom and dad are both very funny. My dad's come, kind of a storyteller, and my mother is very quick-witted and is 77 years old and has had a, had a massive stroke a year and a half ago. And I'm telling you, she is still so funny. And her mom, Mary, everybody talked about how funny she was. And she was funny when I was growing up. Um, she was a real short, wide woman and had huge breasts. And we laid on her like a mattress. And she <laughs> a day and wore a house dress and shot a gun out. The, she hung up all of her clothes and she had real big panties. And we'd say, Nanny, your panties are so big. And the crows would sit on her um, clothesline and she would like, she was a real good shot. She would put the gun out the window and shoot at them so they wouldn't poop all over her. She, uh, yeah. And There's she raised chickens and never threw away anything. I mean, used everything and could have made a living off a of flat rock. Amazing. I, you know, yeah. I come Farm. from a big family too. Very funny, like very, very funny people. Like we're always giggling and laughing. Um, I don't know, people who didn't grow up in funny families, I just, I, feel, I, hate, I hate it for them. I do too. And I think I'm married into one. <laughs> um, my husband's very serious. And uh, and he always says, Lynn, be serious about something. You make every joke out of everything. But, you know, it's helped us get through a lot. I, I think I'm not going to do what he says. I'm going to keep being me because I, I have to. Uh, that's how I cope. Yeah. I actually wrote down a question for you. If it's if you have a hard time with people taking you seriously because you're so funny. Um, yes, I do, Trish, I do. I've been trying to buy a car this week and um, because my car's about to fall apart, got over 35,000 miles, I like to flash it in it. And I've been going to the car lots and I can tell that they don't, um, well, everybody, they, they're darling. We get our picture made and together and they, you know, go, I got one for you. And, you know, it's always that kind of stuff. And, and I'll say, well, is that the bottom price on that? Oh, yeah. And keep and then keep on talking about something else. And I said to my husband, because he's 6'4 and very serious and uh, blank. And I said, you need to go down there and tell them what's the bottom line. Because I think they'll take you serious. I don't think they take me seriously. Is what I mean. I, they don't. They just go, oh, man, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. It's going to amount of money. I think they would, I think he would do so much better at haggling. You know, they don't, I just don't know. I know they're not. They're like, here, come over here, meet Stoney. It's his birthday. He hates his wife. Come here and get her picture. You know, I'm like, how much is that car? <laughs> so yeah. growing up, did you find, were you entertaining growing up? I mean, were you funny as a little kid in high school? I was. And, um, you know, out in the country, like the insurance man would come or, you know, and, and state farm man or something. I would, I would get a, uh, what is it called? Slip and bobby pins and put it all around my hair. And then I do an impression chair uh, for him. And then um, when I was in high school, 
Yeah, I was always tap dancing. I wanted to take lessons, but my little mama could not drive until she was 43, out in the middle of the country, and there was nowhere to take dance lessons. And, I mean, you had to drive way into another town. So I was always wanting to tap and dance, and I would do commercials in my bathroom with bleach. And, Lord, I mixed cleaning products. It's a wonder I didn't pass out. But anyway, in high school, my teachers would say, uh, we got to do this assembly or whatever. Let's let land. Leanne, come here and MC this event. Like, everybody always had me up in front of people. Huh. So you started early yeah. then. Yeah, it didn't scare me. I was like, okay, give me the mic, Roger. <laughs> when did you meet your hubby? Do I, when did I meet him? Oh, after many years, Trish, of horrible decisions, and me that I wouldn't wipe my feet on now. Um, after... <laughs> At the University of Tennessee, I went back to school. I had dropped out to and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I went back to school, was waiting tables at this restaurant in Knoxville where everybody, we made a killing and um, and everybody wanted to work. And he came back to school to get an MBA and we met at that restaurant. And uh, so he's a little tiny bit younger than me, but had already gotten out, got an undergraduate worked two years and then came back to get an MBA because he's very, very smart in books. And I'm smarter with emotional intelligence. But anyway, he, um, very overachiever type A, and I was, you know, took me like nine years to finish on and off, not, not through the whole thing, but you know. And so very free-spirited, fun. I'm very fun. I didn't pay attention in school. I didn't. And, but they love me. And um, and so totally opposite. And you know what he fell in love with me for? I think he's truly learned to resent me <laughs> for now. He thought I was so artsy and fun. And now he's like, have you got your taxes together? Where are your receipts? And I'm like, they're in different purses. Oh, man. I know the receipt. I know the, that receipt argument. There's nothing, like, literally... My gut flips anytime my husband goes, do you have the receipt for that? And I'm like, oh. I know, it's a terrible feeling. It's the same feeling that when he used to say, have you reconciled your checkbook? And I'd be like, oh, shit. And then uh, uh, I'd go down the bank and I've got all these fun girls down at the bank. And they would like, I'd go, oh my gosh, y'all gotta help me get my, and they'd go, okay, hey, we've got it. And they'd take the whole day off and like figure out my banking. But darling, yeah. That's good people. Some can't. I'm sorry, what was that last, what'd you say? Some people can do math, mm -hmm. some can't. We've I, all got to. Yeah, I cannot do math. I am one of those who cannot do math. Uh, your husband's name's Chuck, right? Chuck. I have a Chuck. Yeah. Mine's Chuck. You do? Mm-hmm. What is his full name? Charles Thomas Gloss. Pretty. Okay, I'm about to have my first grandbaby in December, little boy, and my, my son's name is uh, Charles Fletcher, and he goes by Charlie. Cute. And so, name this baby Charles something, and we we don't know yet, yet what, but um, at first they were saying, we're going to name the baby, we're going to call the baby Chuck, and I thought, oh, their daddy, you know, it's just this big, you know, Hi, hey, man. I just can't imagine my little fluff of a baby being on the But, um, 
but I guess it's cute. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think of a big man, but. And you, and you guys will figure it out. Y'all will just, y'all will just figure it out. So when you went back to school, what'd you go for? What were you looking to get a major in? Uh, I got in child family studies in human ecology and I loved it. And I wanted to be a, uh, well, it was in crisis intervention counseling and I wanted to be a family therapist. But I say that Trish, I mean, I really did and I loved it and I loved my major, but um, I always knew that I would um, be in show business. I just knew it. I knew it since I was five. Why? Like, what, what was it about you that you knew that you were going to do that? I feel like it was a God thing. I, I always just knew it. I felt like there was a voice that always told me that you're going to be doing this. And it, and then I, I look back on my life now at, at 54, and I, I don't know. I don't know where that came. Hmm. I, I mean, I know it was, I feel like that voice inside you, that, that gut voice, I think comes from God. And I just always knew it, but I went to UT and I, um, I tried to take a theater class and the theater woman was in a tight bun, kind of like I've got on today. And she said, if you're not a theater major, get out. And I was devastated because I wanted to see if I liked that when I went back to school. And, um, and so I left because I'm a real follower. And so I never took theater classes. And I just, there was no, I don't even know if there was comedy club while I was in college. I don't think there was. The closest one probably would have been in Nashville or Chattanooga. And I, and I didn't know that it was going to be comedy. But I, but I knew it as clear as day after I had my first baby that I was going to be a comedian. I did, but, I, but even I went on up in the Appalachian Mountains with Chuck. I had my first baby. I still, even through all that, I thought I'm going to be on on TV and I'm going to be in front of people. I just, I don't even know how to explain it. I know it sounds weird. It's not the Bell Witch. (laughs) That actually gives me, Mm -hmm. that gives me goosebumps a little bit, actually. Well, I just, and my mama would say, she knew it. And she would say, you're going to be on, you're going to be in show business. Like she'd talk to me about, about it all the time. So, it was yeah, yeah, but it's it's pretty amazing. Also, when did you know, hey, comedy, that's that's what I'm going to do. When did that hit you? Well, when my husband and I were dating, my, my sister lived out in Huntington Beach, California, and we went to see her. And we went uh, to L.A. and I and I made him go on. a. am trying to think what we did on that vacation. I know that we went on a tour in a hearse because I'm fascinated by old Hollywood and murder. So I got to see Charles Manson's where all that happened. Anyway, we went in the Hertz and he thought it was crazy. And then we went to the comedy store in LA, one of the most fam- the famous, most famous comedy club. And we went and watched comedy that night and the whole time I thought, it's the first time I'd been to a club and I thought, this is it. I can do this. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And, um, and, I just knew it, and I, and then we got married, and we moved to the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. He opened up, or he bought a, a used mobile home refurbishing business from a little old man, and he was about 26 years old. I was 27, and I got pregnant with my first baby, and um, I started selling jewelry for premieres. You know, like when your mama used to go to somebody's Tupperware party and somebody selling Tupperware in the living room. Yeah. 
I sold jewelry so that I could stay at home and breastfeed my baby. And that jewelry company started noticing that I was booking a year in advance for my parties. And uh, and they asked me to start speaking. And what it was is I would go in women's living rooms and put out all this jewelry and eat them up with them. And then I would start talking about, I was supposed to be talking about jewelry and how, you know, a, a clip earring can, you can put it on your pump and change the look of your shoe. And I instead was talking about breastfeeding and hemorrhoids and how my husband wasn't, he didn't hear a baby crying in the night and I was afraid to kill him and put him in a ditch. Anyway, women thought it was funny. <laughs> and I started booking all those parties and stayed so booked up that the company noticed. And then they started asking me to speak at their big things. Well, it was a bunch of women in the audience and they would come up to me afterwards and they'd go, oh my gosh, you should be a stand-up. You should be a stand-up comedian. And I, I mean, I don't, it just, I look back on it and it was my little comedy club in all these women's homes. I honed probably the first 40, uh, the first 30 minutes of my act in women's homes selling jewelry. Yeah, that was your rehearsal. Yeah, that was my comedy club. Yeah. It really was. And so, anyway, then I went on to do a couple of things in Little Morristown, Tennessee. And um, then my husband sold that company and went to work for a big company that sent us to San Antonio, Texas. And there were clubs down there. And that's where I got started, in Austin, Texas. Okay, I was going to ask... Did you start doing stand-up in a in an actual comedy club? Well, in Morristown, I did it at the hospital for the volunteer, and I'd get paid with a, a plate of cafeteria food. Mm. And I'd do the rotary, like they'd say, can you come over here at the rotary while your kids are in uh, mom's house? And I'd go take them to mom's house, and I'd go around. And then when he we moved to Texas, um, I would travel back and forth to Austin and do Chick Stick, which was just women, and it was like an open mic kind of thing. And that's one of the best clubs in the United States. Like, huge people have come out of there, and Margie that owns it believed in me and put me from opener to headliner for the first time in their history. And um, and then Rich Miller, Dennis Miller from Saturday Night Live, his brother is part owner in it. And he sent my first CD to his uh, the other brother, Jimmy Miller, who has Ellen DeGeneres and Will Ferrell and all them. And I got my first deal with ABC and Warner Brothers for my own sitcom. Wow. And, I, and Paula Dean was going to play my mother. Oh. And uh, the writer strike hit and it didn't make it. Dang. It was dead. Yeah. So, but from their own... Like, I've just always been in the game. I've been in Knoxville and raising three children. I've really had, I've really been lucky. I've had so much opportunity come my way and so many wonderful things. I've had three television deals with major networks and, but you know, it's just not the right timing or whatever. Now I think I'm too old and it, I'd be too tired to do a television show and somebody had to put me on the IV. But, um, but I've gone on tours and I've, you know, with other female comedians, I've done television spots. I've, I've been on Dr. Phil, Nick at Night, The View on ABC, just stuff like that. Oh, no, I, I know you have. And what is it about comedy, though, stand-up specifically, that just gets you going? What is it about it that you love so much? Hmm, it's something... 
like to be able to, I'm a storyteller, so I'm not a joke writer, but to tell a story and then uh, you feel that energy from an audience and they're with you and like their body, they're, they're almost like been a, like I, it's that when you hit that, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like when you're, when it's your own and it, and, and not every night your own. I mean, it, there's some nights where you think you welcome death. You want somebody to shoot you while you're on stage. It is not like there's, there's been some, woo, some terrible ones, but um, most of the time not. But when you're, when it's like a magic, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like magic. And there's an energy that it is like, I guess what people feel like that are on dope. It is electric. Well, I have seen your face when you tell a joke and the audience goes nuts. And then you kind of make that face that you're making right now. It's just like pure joy. Like you're like, oh, I did that. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's and it's like you're with your best friends. When and and especially for me, I'm I'm selfish to say that my fans it's something about women and well and men come to my shows too, but but I'm I think I feel like I have a connection with my audience that is like like we're friends. It's like being with your best friend. And I don't I'm not mean. I've never, you know, called somebody out and said mean stuff. I mean, I'm a mother. I don't, I, uh, you know, I'm pretty clean. I'm not, for, I'm not, you know, squeaky clean, but I'm just, I'm like somebody you'd sit with and drink coffee. And they get that from me. Mm -hmm. I think they, I think that is what has been so sweet. I get women that will bring their mother who's 70 something and their teenage daughter who is, 18 and or sneak her in and she's 14 and so i get this i get multi-generational and it's like they're like i've known you all my life and they love me and love on me and it, they're like oh my gosh my baby dude in the t-ball field or my baby dude at the rocks in preschool and they were wondering what is that my baby's dude like I, the things i've talked about it it must resonate people so much not everything but some things that people are oh my gosh you are married to my husband are you staring through my closet because that is me and my husband i'm just talking about mine you know yeah that's and that's what i think what makes you so funny you talk about real stuff like real life you know poop and hemorrhoids and you know, the fact that you pee your pants a little bit when you sneeze. I mean, just, it's real life. And I think other women are probably going, uh-huh, yeah, that happened to me too. And it's funny if you can laugh about it. Yeah, I mean, I've just never, I don't know. I feel like what's something that's been good in my career is I, I feel like I'm pretty authentic. And what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. I, and, and Paula Dean said to me, the first time we ever met in a Harris Casino in in uh, New Orleans, when they wanted me to meet her and see if she, they were going to see if she would even work with me, if she even liked me. She was a huge deal at the time, on top of the world. And they and they and she said, "Tell me your story, man." And so I told her, and she said, "Okay, I believe you're who you say you are, and um, I'll do it." But I think that has been. Um, 
something that I've been unique and uh, in this business because I am a woman and I have raised my children. I didn't move to LA or New York. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've been able to do it from here. And I'm really country and I don't try to hide it. But my, my comedy is not really about Southern humor. It's, I just happen to have a heavy accent, but it's about everyday life. Yeah. And every woman, you could, be a, you could be an Arab woman in New York and you feel the same way I do. You know, I just happen to have a heavy accent. But um, what was I saying? I don't know I got flustered. This is the beauty so. of it. This is the beauty <laughs> of it. Do you, think, do you think the accent plays, plays a role in being funny? I, I do. Um, I, think, I think it's helped me. I don't think it's hindered me. I mean, I say that. In Hollywood, they don't know how to deal with it. It's probably hindered me in some of my meetings in Hollywood because they don't know, um, they don't know what to do with it. But, um, but is it for an audience? And uh, I think people are fascinated by people from the South. Mm -hmm. I think they like us. I think that they think we're nice mm -hmm. and polite. And, you know, Elvis was from the South. You, you know, know, I mean, there's something fascinating about it, I think. I think it's, uh, my husband kind of has mentioned this before, he thinks it's because we're a little self-deprecating and we don't take ourselves too seriously. Well, I would say that is probably mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I have to tell you a super quick funny story. My Uncle Randy, he's gonna, he's gonna kill me, but one of, one of the smartest men that I know, incredibly brilliant, but when he doesn't understand a concept, and this is a truly Southern phrase that I'm getting ready to spit out, if he doesn't understand a concept like, um, like assless chaps or something, just to, to throw that out there, right? His face kind of scrunches up and he goes, do what now? And right, how many times have you heard that before, right? A million, honey, a million. And it's just, that to me, every time I hear it, we all just giggle. We start laughing and giggling, and now we, we make fun of them because of it. We say it all the time. I, my, my people say, do what now? Yeah. My people say that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I love Randy. Did you say Randy? Randy. Randy Floyd. Randy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's hilarious. And every, again, I come from a very Southern, funny family, and there's, there's humor within our family, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably the same for you, that people on the outside just don't quite get it. Yeah. 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 For and sure. Like, yeah. With my little mama, who is just, um, she is so, like, dynamic and funny that it, the people in her church, the 20-year-old girls say, Lucille's my best friend. I mean, she's friends all ages, and and they, they, um, Wanted before she got sick, they voted her to be president of a men's club, and, and she's not a man, but they know that she's the smartest one, and they want. I love that. In that sweat, I'm trying to figure. Um, I don't want this to go, Trish. I don't want this to. Pray my phone will die on me, honey. All this technology, you know, I during know. the COVID, don't trust this computer. Yes. Um. Oh, murder. What is that doing? All right, hold on, my darling. Whoa. All this is so, um, are we back on? Here we it's are. Like, it's like voodoo. And this, this, 
COVID. I'm I'm constantly on a Zoom meeting and I'm doing it and I need to decorate so bad. Look back here, we just painted white. Yeah. Um, and I look like I'm in prison. But um, <laughs> but I um, all this is very new to me to do all this. Yeah. You know, and everybody that has to deal with me, they're like, oh my gosh, it's like dealing with somebody's grandmother that doesn't know how to do a voicemail. Well, they're fine. They'll get over it. Um. I do want to talk about your podcast. You have a podcast with a nurse practitioner. Um, yes. It, it, it's podcast. called Sweaty and Pissed. <laughs> <laughs> now, whose idea was that? Yours? My 21-year-old, Tess, um, said, I said, I think I'm going to do a podcast with my nurse practitioner who's a hormone guru. And, um, and I said, what should we call it? She said, why don't you call it Sweaty and Pissed? Because you're sweaty and pissed all the time. I was like, you know what? That's catchy. And uh -huh. so we got we named Sweaty and Pissed Menopause and More. And when I say that in a theater or a club, women throw their person there. I'm telling you, women love it. Everybody, even though pissed is a cuss word in the state of Tennessee, and I'm ashamed that I said it. My mama hates it. <laughs> but it is how you feel when you are going through the bad part of perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, that's uh, my mom. My mom has stories for me. What kind of feedback are y'all getting from that? Uh, really good. And the, what people love about it is it's very informative because she is so smart with hormones. That's and she has four thousand patients and can't see new patients. Nobody, all the doctors she's under, nobody wants to go to them. They want to go to her. And she, um, I try to make it. We it's fun. We've got a good chemistry. It's fun, and then but it's and it's entertaining, but yet it's informative. And I think that that's been a good um, a good mix. That's what they tell us. We're you know people are they wanted us to go on tour, but I mean she's she's too busy. She's got so many people she can't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I know um, my mom. I have people in my family who've gone through menopause, and it's a little. It's a little depressing, right? That's what I've heard, that it's just, you're kind of like, oh, what's happening to me and my body? And to be able to listen to you and then this other person to kind of help navigate through that, that's huge. Yeah, because a lot of people, a lot of medical people, um, and I tell you, she said it the other day, it was a couple of podcasts ago. The reason why that all is, is there was a study that came out in the 80s, I think, uh, well, whenever it came out, um, it told women that it caused breast cancer, that, that hormone supplements cause breast cancer. They used one out of a horm horm uh, pregnant female mare horse. So it was Primarin. All these women, my mama took Primarin. Well, this study was flawed, and it was, uh, it was uh, about, um, it was aged women like 55 to 80-something, and and it should have been 30-something to 60-something mm. at age. But it was flawed. They made it too, too many older women. Well, those women have heart attacks and strokes. Well, and cancer. And uh, more than younger women. So the, the, the whole thing was flawed. I wish you had Karen here to tell you about it because I'm not good at explaining stuff like that. But anyway, that made uh, doctors say you can't take hormones anymore. So for 20 years, people have not taken hormones so medical students didn't get that in medical school so then that then they realized that that study's flawed and so now you've got this whole generation that doesn't know what to do with patients 
So now you have these nurse practitioners and these new doctors coming up that are functional family practitioners or integrative, and they now know how to do. And they're and if you go on hormones, it's so much healthier for you with your heart, your bones, uh, your chances of stroke, mm-hmm. and all those. Things. So anyway, um, it's hard to find people who know how to do them, how right. to put you on hormones. So yeah. that's why I think it's so successful. Oh, that's amazing. Where can people listen to it? Uh, anywhere you can get your podcast. So uh, Apple, you know, uh, all, I don't even know what all those things Probably are Spotify, <laughs> Google Play. Yeah. I would just, yeah, yeah. I would suggest if you want to, if you want to look it up and listen, just look it up and listen. Right? Yeah. Um, and we're trying to, some of them, some of them are on YouTube and yeah, but sweaty and pissed, menopause and more. <laughs> sexual hate, which is bizarre, but well, they say that's because I sit and talk about how I try to get out of having sex, but because I don't feel good and I'm sweaty. Hey, sometimes when you're sweaty, you don't want anyone touching you. Yes. I've done Zumba in the night. (laughs) It's not, you know, so I hate for you to, you're young and vibrant, Uh, I can tell. mm. And it's going to be because it looks like you eat right, you exercise. If you do the things you're supposed to do, it's so much easier on you. I drink a little too much red wine. Well, that's going to make you sweat when you're my age. That that makes your blood vessels expand, and it's a booger. Oh, great, great. Uh, you had to you had to cancel your tour this year, right? Because of uh, the Rona. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was going to start. Thank you. The 100 city national tour, the biggest thing in my career, the big panty tour. And it was going to start in June um, all over the United States and the darn COVID. Yeah. So they just can't get that many people together. So, because it's going to be in theaters probably about 2,000 seats. And so um, they're moving right now. They're moving every month. They look and see how things are going because, you know, nobody knows what in the world to think. And so but they move them to 2021. So right now, my August just got moved to 2021. So now we'll see about September. OK, well, you do have you do have some tour dates planned. So that that's good. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for that. Because, yeah, and 2021 is full. I mean, it'll be full all over the United States. Fantastic. I'll come up here. Okay, I'll have yeah. you. Okay. I'll take you 100%. Um, I'm gonna wrap up and get to the final three, but I, you you just make me giggle, like belly laugh, belly laugh. Oh, I did have a question for you. What makes okay. you laugh? What's funny to you? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I love, I love good comedy i love stand-up comedy and i there's certain ones that kill me but i, I mean i love a lot of stand-up and i love even though i'm not blue like considered blue which is dirty i mind dirty if it's funny i love dave chappelle i'd love mm-hmm. um i've worked with a lot of people that you would you'd be shocked to know who all i've worked with that are the young hip ones <laughs> but um but uh i love rom comedies i love I love all kinds of uh, movies, a good story, things like that. And I love, I've got fun friends that make me laugh. I like funny people. I want to be around fun, sweet people. I don't want to be around butthole people. You know? 
I don't I don't ever want to be around butthole people. Those are not my kind of people. Did you say no. blue blue comedy? Blue, blue comedy is what that we call it in the biz, and that is people who are like R rated, X rated. Well, X rated is a whole nother can of worms, but blue meaning you know state language and mm-hmm. you know context. Yeah, blue. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. Thanks for the education. The other things that make me laugh, my kids, I've got three really funny kids and they're fun and they're fun to be with and we get so tickled and laugh so hard we cannot get our breath. And their daddy is just over there sitting because he gets hyper-focused on, I don't, I don't know. So, but me and the me and the kid, all of my life, all you know, we were, we had fun. Like I'd say, y'all don't have to go to school, let's go see. I mean, we've had a ball. We've had a ball. That's amazing. And, yeah. and you're going to be a, a granny soon. I know, and I'm going to be a fun one. What, what, is, what are they going to call you? You know, I don't know yet. Everybody tells me that's a big deal. It and is. Whatever that it'll be from now on. So I'm, I'm still stewing on that. I'm working on that. Okay. And that's not something I just come up with. It's true. I'm still studying. Um, my, my mama is a Mimi. She's a Mimi. Me- uh-huh. Mimi's cute. Mimi looks fun. Like somebody that's young and vibrant. Totally. You know? Yeah. And honey, I think honey's sweet. That is sweet. That's super sweet. You'll mm-hmm. find it. It'll just come. It'll come to you. Yeah. Um, all right, Leanne Morgan, let's get to the final three. Best advice you've ever been given? Um, to be myself. To be authentic and be yourself. And, um, and, and don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to emulate this comedian or this actress or be who you are. And I swear that's the best thing anybody ever told me. Awesome. Uh, What's your happy place? The beach. I wish that if I'm, if I get to go on the big panty tour, if I ever, I mean, I don't, you know, I've never, I would like to live down at the beach sometime parts of the year. I love but I tell you, I also, now that I'm getting older, I also love the mountains. Mm. The mountains make me feel good. And I'm right here at the foothills of the Appalachia Smoky Mountains, Cherokee National Park. And I love, I love them too. But I like to hear water or see it. I like to just, uh, if I can just have a trickle, I can drink home, look at a, at a water fountain or a lake. I, we used to have property was sold it and I grieve because I like to look at water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have to be next to the ocean, at least just like a couple hours away. I have to be on one coast or the other. I need to be by water. Oh, lucky that you have by it. Yeah, in fact, if you do ever come to Oregon, you must visit the Oregon coast because it's literally one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I've heard that. I need to, I've never been. Okay, bring bring those big panties over to, uh, to Oregon. <laughs> And we'll do that. Okay, final of the final three. Um, if you were given a final meal and a final drink, what would that look like? I would. I would like to have carbonara, carbonara pasta. You know, when they put the egg with the with the ham, the prosciutto, or pancetta with. Um, I mean, everybody does it different, but mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, um, you know, it's rich, but I love that, and I would like a big glass of red wine with it. Because I do love red wine, it makes me sweat, but I, it makes me stay up all night and waller in the bed. But I do love it. That's what I would want, and then I would finish it off 
with some tiramisu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff right there. That's a delicious final meal. Um, you have been you have been the, the cherry on my Sunday today. Thank you. Well, thank you, my darling, for having me. You are a living doll, and I bet that your family is so proud of you. They are. They are really, really proud of me. So, and they, um, they are big fans of yours. And so, I when I told my mom I had this interview, she I woke her up, and she was like, "No way!" And she says to say hi. <laughs> oh, your little mama, and I, and I just. I thought, I always think I'm so cute in a bun. And then I see myself on here and I think, oh my gosh, I look yellow. The color, I'm just one shade of yellow. My teeth right in. But I, if you can, Trish, please, I will get a spray tan and I'll get my 22-year-old blow my hair out and put yeah. me some eyelashes. I'll be so much prettier. The spray tans are my new favorite thing ever. Best thing ever. The best thing that was ever invented. I know. Love them. Love I a good love spray them. tan. Yeah, love a good spray tan. Yeah, love them. Um, Leah Morgan, thank you so much. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple's podcast app or uh, Spotify, go ahead and subscribe and rate and review. It helps other people find us. You can also watch this on YouTube. Just look for Off Script with Trish Close. One more time, funny, funny, funny lady, Leanne Morgan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've had a ball. Oh, good. And good luck with the big panty tour. I'm going to be looking out for you. Okay, my darling, after this old main COVID. Okay. <laughs>